Eve is responsible for making her lunches in the morning, and she actually told me she did pack a lunch. So the natural outcome is she's just going to need to be hungry. And hopefully, hopefully nobody gives her food and nobody steps in and gives her a lunch. Those are just the dulcet tones of a Mormon mom influencer withholding lunch from her daughter and saying that she hopes no one feeds her and she goes hungry during the day. What? Oh yeah, today we're doing a deep dive into the Ruby Frankie story and why this mom influencer was arrested two weeks ago. Hi, lovelies. We are back. For real. Starting today, Under the Influence will be coming back into your ears at least once a week. It's new and it's improved. I mean, to be honest, it is a lot like the old version of Under the Influence, just with more me and a little bit less bullshit. And that's because this time around, this show is all mine. We are no longer working with iHeartMedia, which means that we get to choose the ads, we get to choose the guests, and I make the show. Now, because of that, we might not sound as perfect as we used to, but who cares? Fuck it. Imperfection is the spice of life. And I'm just so glad to be back here because we have a lot of ground to cover. We have a lot to talk about, you and I. Since we last chatted, the influencer world, has gone wild. Joe Francis style. There have been a lot of new laws passed. People have been arrested. Swingers have swung. Influencers have even been crowned beauty queens. And we're here. We're going to talk about all of it. Each week, we're going to do a deep dive into one topic with me and usually also with a very special guest. Smart people. People smarter than me. Think of it sort of like the Ezra Klein show but make it sexy. And maybe make it with a margarita before noon. Now, for this first episode, I had a lot of ideas, a lot of topics planned. I've been reporting on things like the rise of homeschool influencers. Big questions. Are they all weird Christian fundamentalists, or are they just other moms like you and I who are fed up with our shitty American public education system? It could go either way. I'm also going deep down the rabbit hole of Disney influencers. Weird fucking subgroup in the world. It's a vibe, and it is something that you are never going to unsee. I mean, I guess unhear once once you hear it. Also, dad influencers and gun influencers, douchebags, and even, even catfishing influencers. It's a thing. Also, tradwives. So much, so much tradwives. We're going to do like four shows on hashtag tradwives, because there is just so much there to unpack. So much. But there is only really one thing that we could have talked about today. One thing, one person, one topic. I could not not make this for our first episode. Shocking and horrifying allegations against popular YouTube vlogger Ruby Frankie arrested and charged with six counts of felony child abuse in Utah. 
Oh, my fucking God. I'd never heard of her or her blog before the news of this hit just a little over a week ago. I follow a lot of mom influencers, but discipline mom influencing has never really been my thing. And maybe it should be, because my kids are, are feral assholes part of the time. I love them. I love all three of them so much. But they don't listen to me. So maybe I should follow some discipline blogs. But I don't. It seems a little bit icky. And so maybe other ones of you have not heard about Ruby Frankie. And if you haven't already been sent this story by 9,000 people, I have. Thank you to all of you. Seriously, thank you. Send me all the stories. I love it. I love getting messages. I'm going to recap who the hell Ruby Frankie is and why people are talking about her right now. All right. Okay. So Frankie is a 41-year-old. She's two years younger than me. I've got a birthday tomorrow. She's a 41-year-old Mormon mom influencer. And she got really famous when she launched a YouTube channel in 2015 called Eight Passengers. At its peak, Eight Passengers was getting something like 2.3 million subscribers, which is a lot and which will make you a fair bit of cash, like good income, maybe even a six-figure a year income. Now, on Eight Passengers, Frankie documented her life as a mom of six kids and as a wife to her husband, Kevin. I mean, of course, his name is Kevin, right? He's so obviously a Kevin. She had a lot of really popular videos, and a lot of the most popular ones were showing her kids doing what I think are really vulnerable things that we probably shouldn't show on the internet, like learning how to shave for the first time. Can you imagine if your mom put a video of you on the internet learning how to shave? And I cut the shit out of my legs the first time that I learned to shave. I, this is not something that I would want the world to see, but that's not the worst of it. In one video that came out back in June 2020, Frankie's 15-year-old son was saying that he had been sleeping on a beanbag chair for seven months after being banned from his bed for pranking his younger brother into believing that they were going to Disneyland. That seems like a really dumb thing to punish your kid for. I mean, it's not like he came up to his mom and like kicked her in the face and called her a goddamn bitch. Like he just told his little brother he was going to Disneyland and then he didn't get to sleep in his bed for seven months. In another video, Ruby Frankie refused to bring food to her six-year-old after they'd forgotten their lunch at home. They hadn't brought their lunch to school. So she just refused refused to feed them, which, you know, again, not the best. In another one, she threatens to cut the head off of her child's teddy bear and take away kids' Christmas presents when they're not behaving. It's the teddy bear head that gets me. I mean, okay, so that was actual footage of Ruby telling her little girl that she was about to cut her teddy bear's head off. And it's like, it's some real flowers in the attic shit right there. 
You 80s kids know what I'm talking about. So, you know, none of this is great. It's not great. It isn't. And the channel was actually taken down earlier this year. uh, And she started a new project focusing, wait for this because you can't fucking make it up, on mental health. Yeah, because that's who you want curing your anxiety attacks. The mom who cut the head off your goddamn teddy bear. Just saying. So let's fast forward a little bit. What the hell happened to put Ruby Frankie in the news a little over a week ago? Well, it turns out that Frankie's 12-year-old son escaped from the house of her business partner, where I don't know if they were staying. It's very unclear why they were in this house, but it doesn't matter. The 12-year-old son escaped from the house. He escaped, he ran to a neighbor's home, and he begged for food and water. That is when the neighbor noticed that there was duct tape around the child's ankles and wrists. Once the police got there, they realized that this kid was severely malnourished and that he had essentially been tied up with a rope and with duct tape and with, you know, whatever, so that he couldn't eat. A child was tied up and denied food. Starved. She st- allegedly, this woman starved a child. The police went to the house. They discovered another kid, a 10-year-old, also Frankie's daughter, who appeared to also not be very well fed, perhaps even malnourished, and she was taken to the hospital as well. Now, Ruby Frankie and her business partner have been charged with six counts of felony child abuse by the Washington County Attorney's Office in Utah. I wonder if this is the first kind of case that the Washington County Attorney's Office in Utah, the capital of Mormon mom influencers, I mean, I don't know. That's, that's speculation, it's just speculation. Anyway, this story is so horrific for so many reasons. And I, I've got a lot of questions. I've been doing my reporting thing, and I reached out to neighbors of Frankie's, but I have not gotten a response yet. Don't worry, I'm on it. I'm going to find out some tea. But I really did want to talk about this with someone, and I couldn't think of a better person to do that with than my friend Jessica Gross. Jess is a reporter for the New York Times. You might have heard of it. And I've known her forever, and she has worked at all, all the places that smart women work. Years and years ago, she edited a piece that I did on maternal health care in Kenya, which was so good and has disappeared into the anals. Is that the right word? Anals? It's gross. Of, of the internet. Uh, but Jess is just awesome. She's a fucking wizard. Her book, Screaming on the Inside, The Unsustainability of American Motherhood, is a must-have for every parent in the world. I buy it for all new parents, Ted and Evan, my neighbors. I'm getting it for you right now. It'll be in your house when the baby comes home. Yay, Ted and Evan and their new baby. So excited for them. Anyway, Screaming on the Inside is just coming out in paperback now, right now. And so that is a shameless plug for Jess because she deserves it. I love Jess's writing because she does not pretend that being a mom is easy. Like so many of the mom influencers that we have talked about on this show. She shows the hard parts, the disgusting parts, the wet parts. We're always wet. Why are mothers always wet? I'm drenched in shit right now. 
and just shows that. She shows the parts where we are all screaming on the inside. And for me, sometimes I'm screaming on the outside too. Not everyone. Not like the wall. So I couldn't think of a better person to talk about this Ruby Frankie story with than Jess, because like I said, it raises so many questions. But one of those questions, one of the very, very biggest ones is, what is a bad mother? And who gets to decide that? I'm Joe Piazza, and we are all under the influence. We're back, baby. I have I have so many thoughts on on Ruby Frankie and you know some of them are around the idea of what makes a bad mother who defines that and mm-hmm. also why are we why are we all so obsessed with this story I think that's where I want to start number one we're so obsessed with the story because she was in plain sight like mm-hmm. none of this was really hidden to viewers if you were paying a lot of attention, it seems to me. I I mean, I've looked at her content in the past week. Even as someone who follows this beat, I wasn't familiar with her. And I think it even I was shocked at how many followers she had. Right? Um, I know. Because, so I think it is people are gawking at it because it's horrible. It yes. is awful. These kids should no child should ever be treated this way. But I do think it's this juxtaposition of like, you know, she always looked pretty and she always presented a certain glossy exterior and what was behind it was monstrous. So, you know, that allegedly, you know, obviously allegedly she has not been prosecuted yet (laughs) of the crimes of which she is accused. But, you know, I think it's, it is that dissonance of this, you know, showing yourself as someone who is uh, meant to be imitated and then having this, the truth of her uh, mothering seemed to be so horrific. Yeah, no, I totally, I totally agree. I, I was trying to describe to people who, who hadn't watched her videos, who hadn't followed her, what she looks like. And she's just, she's pretty in the so stereotypical influencer mold. I mean, it's it's as if someone called central casting and asked for a Mormon mom influencer in her early 40s. And she looks like so many of the other women that I've I've seen in 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 the mom influencing world. It's just it's like it's a generically glowy, pretty blonde woman. And mm-hmm. I do think you're right that because she presented what was superficially a very aspirational lifestyle, the fact that this was happening not even that far below the surface. She was a monster to her children very publicly on her YouTube accounts. But I think that that is what is bringing people to this story who did not follow her before. Well, I think it's also important for us to talk about how followers don't necessarily mean adherence. So mm-hmm. when you look at a follower account, you don't know how many people are, you know, rubberneckers, hate watchers, 
um, engagement doesn't necessarily mean emulation. So I do think that it is one sort of important thing to note. Mm -hmm. I mean, negative engagement, as you know, is a huge, (laughs) makes a lot of people a lot of money. But I also think that the two of us, and I I don't want to speak for you, but as like secular East Coast liberal monsters, however you, (laughs) fairly Mm -hmm. secular. I also, that's that's actually, we're just, it's so funny because that's the name, that's the name of the the mom cover band that I want to do. Secular, liberal, East Coast monsters. Yeah. Yeah. I live in a city on the East Coast, and it is not like that in the rest of the country, um, and frankly, the rest of the world, to be honest. So I'd actually love to talk to to some parents um, in, in different locations to hear their more of their thoughts on Ruby Frankie's story, uh, because my social group is wildly, wildly outraged. But of course, she crossed the line. She was withholding food from them. And I would think, I think that that's a euphemism. She was starving her children. She yeah. was tying her children up and starving them and refusing to give them food. And that is child abuse, no matter how you slice it. Uh, and I, I think that that is also why we're talking about this. Another thing that really interests me, though, is this story is getting coverage everywhere. It's in both People magazine and the New York Times. Mm -hmm. And yet there are hundreds of thousands, if not millions of child abuse cases in this country on a daily basis. Much like we give missing white women more media coverage, are we giving this story more coverage because it is a blonde white woman and not a father, you know, not an uncle, not not any other kind of caregiver? does this story get more attention because of who the subject is? I think it absolutely does. But I do think that anyone who was, had that many followers and was putting themselves forth as a parenting influencer and was revealed to be so privately monstrous, that would get a lot of press. Um, but a person who did not present the way Ruby Frankie does would probably not be a parenting influencer with that many followers in the first place, right? So true, true. I, yeah. I, it sort of all flows together. But I do think anyone who was a, even a moderately successful parenting influencer would definitely get a ton of coverage for something like this. And I do think there's just, it, I actually, I get really, what's the sort of word? I don't like it when people are like, oh, I'm sure you're a great mom who don't know me. I'm like, well, you don't know me. You've never <laughs> seen children. Like, maybe I'm a garbage mom. And that's why I've never put myself, people are like, you're a parenting expert. I'm like, no, I'm a reporter and I'm a lady with a lot of opinions, but I am not, I can tell you journalistically what I have learned and what experts, you know, what doctors say. I can tell you what the studies say, but I am not an expert in parenting. Um, and I don't ever want to be seen as such, um, or, you know, my own motherhood. The, what I also always like to say is like, there's only two people in the world who can judge my mothering and they are my two children. And I'm sure they will have a lot to say, (laughs) but like, I don't want it to be a public sport, you know? Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't know about you, but I mean, I wake up every day not knowing if I'm a good mom. I wouldn't tell you I was a good mom. I I, I really 
I really have have no idea. And I feel like I'm failing on a daily basis. I I love your book so much because you remind us all that it is hard. And it's hard for reasons out of our control. It's hard because the world makes mothering harder for us. And I do have to say though, because I wake up every morning and think, fuck, am I doing any of this right? Like am I am I am I just garbage at this or Maybe I'm doing it okay. Because of that, I wonder if the spectacle of watching someone else fail at motherhood is vaguely enjoyable for people because we're all questioning ourselves too. I mean, of course, there is schadenfreude to watching anyone who puts themselves forth as an expert in anything or perfect in anything fail. I just think that's human, right? Like, remember, everyone was like very excited when Marie Kondo admitted that she could no longer keep everything perfectly tidy when she had a third child. I'm still excited about that. I still think about it on like a daily basis. But what I would invite you and also your readers, your readers, Jesus, uh, I'm brain dead this week because both my children started school. So, you know, I'm running on, I'm going to say 70%. What I would invite your, you and also your listeners to at least try to do, and I'm not saying that I'm able to do this a lot of the time, is just stop asking yourself in minute to minute whether you're being a quote unquote good mom. Because it's like, well, what does that even mean? Um, the way that I try to define it is, are my children loved? Do they feel safe? Are they provided for? And you have a lot more leeway in terms of like, oh, I yelled at them one time, you know, like these little small things that are, you know, you perceive to be imperfections. They just are not a moral, they're they're just not a moral referendum on you every second of the day, if that makes sense, right? It's the big picture. It is your relationship with them, which is developing over years as you change and as they change, as their needs change, as your family structure may change. I would just always try to recommend people like not wake up every day and wondering if they're a garbage mom and just trying to be, be authentic and present with your kids. I want your words in my ears every day when I wake up. (laughs) Well, because I see, I, I, you know, people always want to sort of know like tricks or, you know, scripts. And I'm just like, I don't have those for you. Like I try to just be myself as much as I can with my kids and have invite them to be themselves. And I think that's, what's going to create the authentic relationship that I hope to have with them. Well, and I think that this desire for tips, for easy fixes, is part of our cultural fascination with influencers because they give bite-sized advice that lives in your pocket that you can pull out and scroll through your phone and read when you're on the toilet and (laughs) walk away with like a, a tip and a trick and you, you cover influencers in your book, Screaming on the Inside, now available in paperback, the best book that you can buy for any expecting parent. Fuck swaddles. Don't buy a swaddle for someone in a baby shower. They're going to get 50 swaddles. You buy this book. You buy Screaming on the Inside. This is the book you get for all new parents from here until the end of time. But you talk about influencers, and I want to hear a little bit about what your reporting found on why we're so addicted and attracted to their content? Well, I think number one, just because it's ubiquitous, you can't get away from it. I've tried to like 
tweak my settings. I've tried to block people, but my robot knows that I am a mom and it will just continue to serve me the same blonde ladies, no matter what I do. And I think people are like, well, just get off social media. I'm like, I'm a reporter. That's not realistic for me. I have to see what is going on, what people are talking about, what, you know, is a topic of conversation. It's where I get ideas. It's not, it's, that's not a realistic uh, solution for me. And it's not a realistic solution for so many moms who find solace and connection through social media. So yes, like in an ideal world, it would just all go away, but we, that's not realistic. So, um, I think just the ever presence of it. Um, I think it is a self doubt machine. So I think as humans, our brains are just not prepared to see so many context free images of anything. So, you know, you're getting people's highlight reels. And even if you intellectually understand that this is not someone's real life, it just kind of worms its way into your brain that like, oh, it looks so much easier for them. It looks so much more delightful for them. They seem so much more centered than I do. Um, What are they doing that I could possibly do? Um, But you don't know what their lives are like. You don't know how much, if if they have a a live-in housekeeper, you don't know if you know, they are bursting into tears immediately after the camera goes off. Like you just don't know the context of their lives. And so you have no idea whether their advice will actually be helpful to you and your family. And I don't think that most of these influencers come from a place of negativity or they genuinely do want to help and they genuinely do want to offer suggestions that will make their viewers lives easier but I just think when you are inundated with so much conflicted and again another problem with all of this advice from influencers is it's often in conflict with each other and so it's like well do I trust this influencer or do I trust this influencer and it's impossible to know and so I think it's just all of these things added together that uh, create an environment that even if you are confident in your own mothering skills, there's just so many opportunities to doubt yourself. So well put. So well put. And we don't need any more opportunities to doubt ourselves. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I will say so. I mean, the solutions that I provide in the book and that I try to live in my life are number one, just like really curating your TikTok, your Instagram, whatever, so that if you if there are influencers that you want to follow, making sure that they make you feel good about yourself and they don't make you feel like garbage. And the second you feel bad, you can mute them, you can block them, you can unfollow. Like there's just that you life is too short. Don't don't let them do that to you. And I will even say like I've muted friends during hard periods. Like the example I always give on that is, yeah, I had a miscarriage between my two daughters and I had a friend an old, old friend who was pregnant and had almost the exact same due date as my miscarriage. And I just couldn't look at her. Like it was too painful. I could see her in person, like that was fine. But seeing like the imagery was just like, it just made me too sad. Um, And so I didn't tell her that because she didn't need to know that. Like, I want her to have her joy. I don't want her to be burdened by like what I'm going through. But like, I just couldn't And I think that that's a really healthy thing to do. So that's one thing, sort of really curating the feed. But the second is is also just having real life friends and they don't even have to be parents themselves, but who are your like kind of emotional explosion friends is kind of how I think of them. So our mutual friend, Leia, is one of those for me. There are times where I would like, it's usually actually my husband. Like, I just want to yell at my husband. Like, I am just like, 
it's and if I feel like I'm like this is actually kind of unfair, but I'm so annoyed, I will just call Leia. <laughs> like <laughs> because I'm just like I need to, I'm so angry about this dumb thing and I need to like get that out. And so I I like will literally call Leia and just be like for 4 minutes I am going to vent to you about this thing that really annoyed me that my husband did. And she's like, yes. And we'll just validate all of my annoyance and I feel better. So it's just like having a couple, you only need a few super trusted friends that when you feel like you're just so angry or you're so sad or just, you know, you need a repository, a supportive repository for your feelings because like, the internet full of strangers, they're not going to provide that for you. No, they're not. I, I, I love that. And I also love Leia. And I have called her many times to bitch and moan about bad bosses and bad husbands. I mean, good husbands, <laughs> husbands that are pain in the ass. Um, and yeah, I think that a saving grace for all of us is real life friends. I feel, I feel like that it should be the new, like best friend friendship bracelet. Like instead of best friends, it should just say friends in real life. (laughs) Well, I mean, I also think always look around you. And I think you can also project onto moms that, you know, like, oh, they look so much happier. They look so, it looks so much easier. Their kids more put together their mind. And it's like, if you actually get to know them, to any sort of degree, you will learn that their lives are not so perfect because we're all just like human beings trying to get through it. And I, at the end of the book, I talk about this concept of maternal ambivalence, but I actually think ambivalence is an important part of all of our relationships, not just with our children or our our own parents. Um, And it's this idea that about everyone even the people that you love the most, or maybe especially the people that you love the most, you will have negative feelings about them. And that is normal, natural, and eternal. There's no way around that. And I think we feel so much guilt as parents for having those bad feelings. And if we could just absolve ourselves of that guilt and just feel those feelings and like figure out a productive way to deal with them without, you know, putting them on our kids, like, that will do so much for us. I mean, I just want to end there. That's so fucking perfect. <laughs> so good. I love All it. Right. I, well, what I what I've decided because this, you're the first episode of new and improved and better all Joe all the time under the influence. So what I want to try to do at the end of each episode is to have someone recommend something that is like a good influence right now. Like, what are you reading? What are you watching? What are you listening to? That is just like, that just brings good and joy into your life. And when the infinite scroll makes you want to die, what, what, is this a thing that you want to turn to? So the, my favorite novel of the year is Big Swiss, which I will not Oh, me too. I love it. It's so good. It's so good. And so the premise for listeners is a woman is a transcriber for a sex therapist in a sort of hippie upstate New York town. And so she gets to learn all of like many townspeople's dirty secrets through this transcribing of the sex therapist (laughs) sessions. And she's going through a lot herself. And it is I rarely laugh out loud at books and multiple times in this book, I laughed out loud. And so I, it's very dark. So people should know that getting into it. Uh, It is dark humor, but I absolutely adored that. And yeah, that's sort of 
Oh, and I'm having, um, I wrote about this in my newsletter, but um, I was so inspired by Barbie and the performance of Margot Robbie that all summer I've been just having a Margot Robbie film festival and watched all of these Margot Robbie movies that I'd never seen before. And so I really liked Bombshell, which is, uh, she plays a composite character, but it is a fictional representation of the sexual harassment scandals at Fox News. She's really good at it. And I also really liked Whiskey Tango Foxtrot. And Tina Fey is the star of that movie. And she can basically do no wrong with me. So you just you just totally set up what I'm going to download to watch on the plane tonight. It's perfect. Uh, I love it. And also I'm a I know, I know. And I'm also a huge big Swiss fan. One of my friends uh, went to go to a reading of hers at the Golden Notebook in Woodstock and got me a signed copy. And I devoured it in one night. I mean, that book is so fun. And I've also given it to a bunch of people. And the cover art is art. Like, I wish I could frame it and put it on my wall because it's so beautiful. It's so good. And what I loved about it, too, is like it's having fun. Like so many books that mm-hmm. I read that are literary books. I'm like, this feels like vegetables. I'm slogging through this because everyone's talking about it. And I feel like I should read it to be a, you know, someone who talks like to be a smart lady who thinks about books. And I'm just like, this book was a delight to read. And it wasn't like my trashy true crime that I read. It was like, it is a delight. And also I can feel smart because all the smart literary people like it. (laughs) Right. I know. I know. I mean, I, I also just want to have fun with books again. I I can't wait to send you Sicilian inheritance because it is kind of trashy true crime. A lot, a lot of sex, a lot of food. A lot of, lot of hunky men. But I do think you walk away and feel smart. So I'm sending you that next week, by the way. So get very excited for that galley I mean, to, cu- to come your way. You need to know that Tony Trash is not a pejorative. Like, I love trash. No. <laughs> I love trash. Love trash. I, am a, I watch multiple franchises of Real Housewives at all times. Like, I'm not... Uh, I think because of where I work, I, I, ha- I feel more bad about it than I should because everyone I work with is smarter than me but you know what that's okay that's okay I I provide uh a window into the the pop culture that they don't consume (laughs) the truth is they're definitely not smarter than you and you are one of the smartest women I know and I will have I will talk to you about anything at any point on this on this show to close out tell people where they can find you where they can subscribe to all of your things and listen to all your wisdom from everything on parenting to high culture to Real Housewife franchises. Um, So my newsletter is at the New York Times. If you just Google Jessica, G-R-O-S-E, newsletter, New York Times, you will find the way to subscribe to that. Uh, It comes out twice a week. You can find me on Twitter at Jess Gross. Again, my last name is spelled unusually. So it's G-R-O-S-E. My paperback for Screaming on the Inside just came out this week and it is available wherever books are sold. And it has a fun new cover, which is uh, a nice turquoisey blue. Um, Mm. And I think that's it. I think that's all the things. I'm so happy that you were my first guest. That you you helped, uh, yeah, helped launch this show out into the universe. Thank you for having me. Thanks for being here. Have a wonderful day, my love. I will talk to you more soon. Bye. 
Our first episode was a little bit of a downer. I promise that we're going to have a lot more fun coming up. A lot more fun. A lot less violence. A lot less starving kids. Now, as I mentioned before, this is my Under the Influence, made by me. So if you like it, please forward it to your friends. Tell them you love it. Tell them to listen. Tell them to subscribe to my... Oh, hey, Nick just walked in. Hi, I'm just recording Dakota from a podcast. You want to say hi? Well, hey. Okay. Um, so also subscribe to my Substack over the influence where hi, stop, stop, stop doing that, honey. Oh, do subscribe to my Substack over the influence because we will be putting transcripts of all of our podcasts as well as more links and fun stuff and. Yeah, I think I think that's it. Now I'm I'm heading off on my secret birthday vacation. I'm gonna be gone by the time this is in your ears, but I don't know where I'm going. Where am I going, honey? Chinchilla City. <laughs> You're an asshole. <laughs> Bye guys.